All right. Well, welcome to this episode of the Tech Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And all I got to say right now, we have life. We have life. And I'll tell you what, I was about to throw myself out the window. I was about to give up on the season. I have grown a lot as a person in the past two weeks. Um, got to thank this basketball team for it. Not only did last week they get two top 15 wins, including one over Texas at home, uh, something we had only done once in conference this year. Uh, now we've done it three times, but this past week they went into Morgantown and for the third time ever beat the Mountaineers in Morgantown. Any desperate Mountaineer squad who I wrote for Heartland that they had to win their three remaining home games. They needed this win. They didn't get it. They were up by eight with less than 10 minutes left. Texas Tech wins 78-72. And then against OU, Texas Tech turns the ball over 13 times in the first half. I believe 11 in the first uh 12 minutes of the game, take a two-point lead in the halftime, winning by double digits, 74-63. Uh, Mac McClung also, I, I don't know if you call this the G League or the NBA, whatever. It was the NBA All-Star Weekend. He's a G League player, two-way player, whatever. Whatever you call it, he wins the dunk contest. That's great news. More pros being successful for Texas Tech. And also, baseball is back, and not only did we beat a team four straight games to start the season 4-0, and we did it in impressive fashion with a lot of new pieces, and we did it to a team who, guess what, was a higher seed in the NCAA tournament than you last year and returned more than you. All right, so here we go. All right, so you know what? A couple weeks ago, I was saying it was a pretty dark episode. This one's going to be a fun one. I'm going to go in chronological order, and what I thought was the most important piece for us this week, beating West Virginia on the road. This was an important game. This was 11 a.m. text time. It was 10 a.m. my time, 11, noon West Virginia time, and it was an iffy game. We were down by one at half, and I got to say, these guys performed. I didn't think Harmon had the best game. He was 6 of 18 from the field. He still got 13 points. I, I, I think he regressed more towards the mean. Kerwin Walton actually got a start for us, didn't take a single shot in the entire game. O'Banner was fine, 32 minutes, did his job. He only got four points, but he was two of four. He was pretty efficient. Fardal's AMAC, he was awful, awful in the first half, awful in the first half. And then he hits 10 free throws in the second half, finishes with 14 points. He got a double-double despite looking like he didn't belong out there in the first half. I mean, impressive stuff to come back from that for Fardal's. Um, I said it. Last week, uh, he shocked me twice. I didn't think he'd ever play for Tech this season. I didn't think he'd ever come back for Tech this season. And he's been insanely impressive. I'd love it if he comes back next year as well. Jalen Tyson, though, he's the story of the day. 11 of 15 from the field in 36 minutes, 27 points. He also got three offensive boards. Uh, very efficient from him. He was 3 of 4 from 3. And Jalen Tyson, I'll tell you what, this guy is just a killer killer out there he is money uh we got six guys minutes off the bench only one got uh either double digit points or double digit minutes and it was pop isaacs returning from injury 29 minutes six of 10 from the field 15 points great outing from him very efficient i i think that i'm probably a little bit less of a pop isaacs fan than most tech fans um I don't know if I've said as much on this podcast. I, I, I believe his potential is off the charts. I really do. And if, if I was ranking it a few weeks ago, 
I think I made a rankings about how confident I was guys would return. Pop Isaacs was the most confident I had that I was returning, and this was when we were 1-10 in, in conference play. Um, some notable lines for West Virginia. Johnson, 8 of 13 from the field in 35 minutes, 20 points. Eric Stevenson took 21 shots, and I will say he killed us from three early on. He really did, and early in that first half, he was killing us from three. There were some shots that he made that I just kind of sat back and was like, "Oh man, I I don't think that I don't think we can overcome this." I mean, when we were down eight, I I don't know if it was him to hit a three that put them up six or put them up eight, but I kind of felt like that was the dagger there. He had twenty-seven points. He took twenty-one shots. He was nine of twenty-one from the field. Um, we really limited their bench. They had three guys get five points. They had one get two. Um, overall, we outscored them from the bench, and we only had three bench players score. One Elijah Fisher got two points, and I thought it was a nice two points that he got. I I honestly thought he deserved it, and one there. Uh, Jennings got three points. He was one of two from the field, one of two from the free throw stripe. Uh, so some quality mints. I think Lamar Washington, and I don't want to bash a true freshman. I, you know, not that I haven't uh, got. <laughs> criticize our players this year but freshmen i true freshmen especially i understand they have a long learning curve uh lamar washington's had a down uh past three or four games he really has um doesn't mean the potential is not there and i think he's more of a justin gray type player that he doesn't quite stack the stat sheet stack the box score but he's efficient for you he he hasn't done much he's had a lot of turnovers he didn't have any in this game but it was noticeable um against both texas kansas state and oklahoma state that he had bad games anyways one notable stat from this that i'm going to point out i'm going to come back to it after i talk about the oklahoma game stats we had 15 offensive boards and west virginia only had 10 offensive boards so three to two on offensive boards west virginia missed went 27 of 62 from the field they missed 35 shots, and we got 15 offensive boards off of that. We missed uh, 33 shots, and they only got 10. So, you know, kind of like a 15 to 11 ratio when you're basing it off of missed shots, something about there. That was a huge win for Texas Tech. This was a desperate West Virginia team in a sold-out atmosphere at home, and West Virginia has been darn good this season. I think that this was only their third home loss of the season. It may have been their fourth. Um, I don't know if this was their second or third in conference play. They may have lost one in the non-con. But this was a 4-9 West Virginia team that had been good. They had gotten big wins earlier this season. They had killed OU uh, one week prior to that. This was a huge game for West Virginia. Because when I looked at their schedule, they had two road games and three home games. They um, they had Texas at home, I believe. They may not have had Texas at home, but I know, know it was, uh, I think, Kansas State at home, thought that was winnable. Oklahoma State at home, thought that was winnable. And Texas Tech at home, thought that was winnable. They had four conference wins. My general rule of thumb is, because this is what the stats show us, and West Virginia may be exception that they could get in with six conference wins, but it gets a lot tougher and they have to do something in Kansas City. And they're not that good away from home and they'd probably have to play either Kansas or Texas in the second round in Kansas City, 
which will kind of be that bridge game if they only have six conference wins to get into the tournament. This was a desperate team because they also have to go to Lawrence. They have to go to Ames. They had to go 3-0 at home to get to those seven wins, or they have to steal one either in Ames or Lawrence. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it on the day. Texas Tech went out into a tough atmosphere and beat a very good West Virginia team who beat a Pitt team that's in the tournament right now in the non-conference. I, and beat an Auburn team that I believe is in the tournament right now in the non-conference. I don't know if they've fallen out of it. I know as of a week ago they were in it. And then that set up this clash, uh, which happened earlier this evening on the day I'm recording. It happened yesterday if you're listening to the day this was released. But this game against OU was not pretty. We had 13 turnovers in the first half. That At one point at the under four timeout, we had twice as many turnovers as shots or field goals attempted. It was ugly. To, to give you some context, we attempted 47 field goals in this game. The Sooners attempted 12 or 59. So they attempted 12 more than us. We had played 11 players again. Uh, they only played nine. They had one guy, um, I guess, pull himself out of the program because of mental health concerns. Uh, two hours before the game, he announced it. I'm sure you knew well before that and was game planning that they wouldn't have him. But huge day. Fardaz Amac, 32 minutes, 9 of 15 from the field, 19 points. O'Banner had a quality day, including that dunk to put it away at the end. 4 of 7 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3. Uh, he had 11. Pop Isaacs, he was pretty efficient again. Only took 6 shots in 31 minutes, but he was 4 of 6, including 3 of 5 from 3 for 11 points. Efficient day. Uh, Devion Harmon, not quite a great game. He was 0 for 3 from the stripe, which I will say that's rare for Devion. Um, he's a type of guy that I trust in clutch with free throws. He's a guy that I trust with free throws going 0 for 3. That's uncharacteristic. But he was still 4 of 8 from the field. Not bad. 8 points. Um, wasn't He was 4 to 3 on assist to turnover, so not great. But uh, you didn't get much production out of your bench. I thought that Elijah Fisher, he only played 10 minutes. He gave you quality minutes. Uh, Lamar Washington started to turn things around. Uh, he only turned the ball over once uh, in 12 minutes. He had three points off three coming from the free throw stripe, three of four. That was pretty quality from him. But the star of the game, again, Jalen Tyson. And I, I'm not going to read his field goals. He had 36 minutes, 18 points. He was 7 of 8 from the field, including 2 of 2 from 3 and 2 of 2 from the line. This guy, and he also got 8 boards. He was 2 boards away from a double-double. He taken 8 shots where he made 7 of them. I, I mean, Jalen Tyson, I'll tell you what. This guy, he still has some growing to do. He truly does. But... If you can keep this core together, and it's too early to talk about next year because you're still alive for the NCAA tournament, and I'll run through all those scenarios later. If you can keep the core of Tyson, Isaacs, Jennings, Washington, and Fisher, get both of those first two and two of the next three, I think you're going to have a darn good team coming up. I really do. And you can go picking in the portal, you can look for you can look at different spots or whatever and 
frankly, the way this team's playing, there's nobody that I wouldn't want back. There really isn't. Uh, maybe KJ Allen, you can tell him he can go, but if you, he only got one man. I could have sworn he was out there for one, more than one minute today. But if you can even keep him as a locker room guy, I'd love that. Demarion Williams and Kerwin Walton, I think one of those two are going to have to leave. Um, but, yeah, I, all I can say about Mark Adams, I know I had him on the hot seat a couple weeks ago and was probably on the Adams out bandwagon. Look, and I think there were good reasons that people wanted him gone, quite frankly, with what I saw, both on the court and off the court. But he's dug himself out of this situation on the court, or he's in the process of. But what you're watching right now is a really good basketball team, and there were rumors that he lost the locker room in Maui. And just from a soccer context, normally the manager loses the locker room. It's done. It's over. He has to go. This guy looks like he gained the locker room back in the same season with all the same players. And you know what? Uh, there's still probably stuff with the donors and it's probably going to take some concessions on both sides, but it's a lot easier to, to get some more leeway when you finish winning what we've won four straight. Now, if you can go two and one, win six of seven, even if you miss the tournament, then it is uh, going two and eight, two and 16 in conference play. So look, I, I can't say enough about this turnaround. This is one of the most remarkable turnarounds I've seen. And one thing this team is doing is attacking the paint. They're driving to the basket. They're being aggressive. I love that. And I want to give credit to Ben Golan. This was about with a minute and a half left. It was the O'Banner dunk to ice the game away. All five players on the court touched the ball for Texas Tech one time in the lead up to that assist to O'Banner getting the dunk. It, It was really a beautiful play. It iced the game. That was it. Game over. And one stat that has popped out to me. I, I mentioned the 15 to 10 on offensive boards. OU this game had seven offensive boards. We had six offensive boards. OU took 59 field goals. They missed 38. We got offensive boards on six of them. Or, I'm sorry. OU got offensive boards on seven of those 38. That's less than 20%. We missed 18 shots and got six offensive boards. That's 33.3%. We're outdoing these guys on the offensive boards by 15% just about every game right now through this winning streak. Our aggression on the offensive boards, and you can credit it to AMAC being in there. You had Bacho in there. He's not quite as physical as AMAC, I don't think. Um... But the offensive boards have made a huge difference. And, and if you just look at the raw numbers, okay, we got outdone on the offensive board 7-6. But when you look at the percentage of sh- shots we're missing that we're getting offensive boards on, it's a whopping number. We're almost doubling these guys up on percentages. We're at least getting 150% or 50% more offensive boards than they're getting. And this is going to be a good lead into what we have to do to make the NCAA tournament. So it starts out 11 a.m. Central Time. You got a home game against TCU. I still believe with our non-conference 7 and 11 in Big 12 play is not going to be enough. And part of the non-conference is our fault. Part of it is not. You went to a stacked Maui field. You knew you had a Big East and a SEC opponent coming. You got last place 
teams in both the SEC, Big East, and one of the Maui teams is last in the ACC. I mean, that's rough. And Creighton is right now looking like a Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four contender. They really are. But Ohio State stinks. They're next to last in the Big Ten, and you lost that game. They weren't that bad of a team when you played them. Georgetown is not a good team. They're last in the Big East. Uh, Louisville is not a good team. They're last in the ACC. Uh, LSU is not a good team. They're last in the SEC. When you take your three non-conference wins against Power Six opponents, um, I, I don't. These aren't updated. Odds are they're now three games worse, knowing how these teams play. But they were three of forty-one, three and forty-one combined in conference play just a couple of days ago. Three and forty-one combined. That is a horrific number. That is truly a horrific number for teams that you're playing in the non-conference. And your strength of schedule for the non-conference is in the 300s of about 350 teams. It's a bad non-conference, and it's going to hurt you. <coughs> Which is why I don't think you can rely on 7 and 11 to get you in. Now, I think 8 and 10, I believe 9 teams in Big 12 play since we went to 10 teams in this 18-game format have gone 8 and 10. Five have gotten in. It should be any team that goes 8 and 10. Maybe not Oklahoma State because they had a lot of bad losses in the non-conference. We didn't have any bad losses in the non-conference. We just have a bad strength of schedule in the non-con. But 8 and 10 should get you in. So that would be winning your next three. That would be TCU at home, which is a winnable game. And Mike Miles is back. That's going to be a tough game. That is going to be a tough game. I think that you're actually going to open as the underdog at home, despite being favored against Kansas State. I, I still think that you're going to be the underdog at home because the metrics don't hate TCU like they hate Kansas State. And then you got to play at Kansas. That's the tricky. That's the tough one. If you can take care of business on your home court because you finished with Oklahoma State, who is reeling right now. They are reeling right now. They, Oklahoma State's not a good basketball team at this moment. They really aren't. If you can... I, I think if you beat TCU on Saturday, and it's going to be tough with Mike Miles back, I, I play Mike Miles physical as heck. I, I test him every second of the day, see how healthy he is. I'm not saying play dirty. I'm just saying play physical. But if you can beat TCU, then you get to Kansas, and you go into Lawrence. You've only won there once in school history, I believe. And about 25-ish tries, 26-ish tries, something around that number. You go in there on Tuesday night. It's going to be a hostile atmosphere. They're going to be playing for a Big 12 title because they're still in the race with Texas. Baylor lost today. They're two games back. They're probably out of it. Texas still won. Kansas won on Monday. So it's between Kansas and Texas right now, which I'll explain in a bit why that's good news for us. It, that, that's a game that, look, I don't think Texas Tech wins that game. I'm not counting them out of it. But if if there's a group of guys that can turn it around, come back from 25 points, 26 points down, whatever it was against Iowa State, come back from 1-10 in Big 12 play, win four straight, including two on the road, and the two home games were against top 15 teams, 
I think it is this one. And it would take something special. It would take a special night in Lawrence. You have to shoot out of your minds. But it's possible. It really is possible. And then, of course, you finish with Oklahoma State. If you don't beat Kansas, you got to beat TCU. you got to beat Oklahoma State. And now, I think one win in the Big 12 tournament at 7-11 gets you in. I think 8-10 should get you in. 8-10 and, and one win in the Big 12 tournament will get you in. I think that if you go 7-11, I still think you need two wins. And right now, there is a big gap between us and Oklahoma State. It's closed. We're only two games behind them. I, I don't know the exact tiebreakers. I'd imagine that we may have an edge there when it's all said and done if we close it with them and could get to the seven seed. But I am glad this race is between Texas and Kansas because when I watch our games against Texas and Kansas, I do think that we can beat them. I do not think we can beat Baylor. It is great news that they have slipped down to the three seed. It looks almost certain that they're going to play TCU in that 3-6 matchup, and Kansas State, Iowa State are going to play each other in that 4-5 matchup. You're going to get West Virginia opening night on a Wednesday. They're probably going to be the 9th seed. OU's probably the 10. Uh, you're probably battling with West Virginia for 8-9. It, it's just who wears what color jerseys. I think you probably have a better chance of getting the 8th seed than they do. If you beat West Virginia, you're likely to get a date with Texas because Texas still plays Kansas at home. If you can get that date with Texas, all bets are off. You almost beat them in Austin. You beat them in Lubbock. You uh, combine scores throughout the two games, you've been better than them. I think the concern is can Fardaws go for two days in a row? Well, you know what? When your season's on the line, you got to go. And I think that is a winnable matchup for us. Now, if Bacho's back, I think that will help because Fardos can play less in both games and be healthier for that Texas game. And if we play Kansas in that 1-8 matchup, I think the good news is that means it's a 2 p.m. tip instead of a night tip. Because if you get them in the 2-7 matchup, it's a 6 p.m. tip. If you get them in the 1-8 matchup, and I was there last year. It was when they played West Virginia in the 1-8 matchup. It was still a very pro-Kansas atmosphere. But it was a lot better. It was a lot calmer atmosphere than it would have been if you were playing in the night game on Thursday night. If you're playing Thursday at 2 p.m., I think it's a lot better chance for you to win. A lot of people will take half days by no. I was at the game. I had upper-level tickets, and I was able to sit in the bottom section. It will be a lot less hostile if you're playing Kansas in that 1-8. And I think Kansas is a better matchup than Baylor. I think Texas is the best matchup we could get. And we're going to avoid Baylor in that second round of the NCAA or the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City if we get that far now. And if we go 2-1, and one, that may be a play-in game to get us into the tournament. Of course, if we lose that, you still got a shot. It's probably going to be a coin flip at that point, maybe a little bit worse than a coin flip. But you still got a shot. And this team's still alive. Anyways, moving on to baseball. Because, look, I think I've said about all I can on the basketball front. This was a very good weekend for Texas Tech and baseball. And there were a lot of new players. Um, our pitching staff seems a lot deeper than it was last year. Our, we don't have the stars. We don't have the Jace Youngs, the Kurt Wilsons, any of that. But we beat Gonzaga after falling behind very early. Um, we were down 4-1 to one early. Um, 
came back, won the game 8-4. It was Gerton who came in in relief, actually, who had a heck of a game for us. Gerton was money for us. I think there's a good chance that he works himself into that starting role. Kyle Robinson had a very bad game for Texas Tech. Um, He was the starting pitcher, allowed five hits in two innings, four runs, three earned. Was not a good outing for him. It was also, I believe, his first start for Texas Tech. He's a sophomore. Um, he was completely in relief last year. I'm not giving up on, on him after one bad start, but Gerton had a great day. Saturday, you beat Gonzaga again. Mason Bolina pitched really well. We had a shutout going through seven innings. He was money. Um, Sunday, you win 12-3. to Complete blowout again. Bo Blessy. Again, we didn't allow our first run until the eighth inning. We won it 12-3. to um, The pitching staff looks really, really good. Um, the defense struggled. They gave up a lot of errors this weekend. We gave up six errors on Monday. We won that game 9-8 off of a walk-off walk. Um, again, you know, we allowed three runs through six innings. Um, then let them come back. I think our bullpen needs some work. I think it's going to get a bit easier because – we basically have three starters. We threw uh, Robinson on that Friday and had to use Gerton in relief, used our next two starters the next two days, and then we used the starter in this outing on Monday, of course. So that's five of them. So you had only one of them in your bullpen. The bullpen's going to need some work for Texas Tech, uh, but and the defense needs to be a bit better. We also... There were three catcher interferences that counted as errors in the series, and they all came off the same batter. Um, so, in different catchers, I'm not blaming that on the catchers for that. I, I I think you'll get film on those guys and be fine. And this was a good Gonzaga team. I mean, they were a two-seed while you were a three-seed in your regional. I think it's looking very good. I mean, I know right now I think our, our RPI is 50. That's going to go up. Gonzaga's RPI is going to go up. They're a good baseball team. Um, this this was a great opening weekend. You got tested in one game, pulled it out. Uh, you looked really good in the three others. You had a starter struggle. You'll see if he can bounce back after that. And now you got Western Illinois uh, for four games. Uh, you got one on Friday at 1 p.m., then two on Saturday, double higher than a 1 p.m. on Sunday. Then you get a midweek with Air Force between you go to the Shiners College Classic in Houston, which we'll talk about more next week. But great start for Texas Tech baseball. Um, This is definitely a team that can make it to Omaha. I mean, if you're going to write the script for Gonzaga, I would have thought 3-1 is a success, 2-2 is not bad, or not the end of the world, it's okay for this young team. 1-3 is not good. Um, but it's not the end of the world. Own four, and you're kind of <laughs> you're from a bad position. But four knows perfect. Three blowouts, including one. I, I guess if you call eight four a blowout, I'm counting it as that. Considering we're down four one, scored seven unanswered. But yeah, this baseball team's looking really good right now. It's going to be a long season. We got a long way to go. There's not much you can judge off of it. The young guys look really good. I, I believe it was Owen Washburn that struggled for us. Um, that was one of our more experienced players. Not too worried about that. He'll find his groove eventually. I think he almost had a grand slam that barely went foul. So, you know, even the experienced players will be fine. Kyle Robinson, uh, bat, very bad outing. Awful start for him on Friday, getting the season opener. Also, 
first game pitching as a starter, season opener. It'll happen. We'll see how they can go from here. But I, I think you're going to be very deep this year. You lost a couple guys. One thing I've noticed, this team does have the star power last year's team did. Not, not really. Also, Cash. I'll tell you what. I, I saw somebody say, uh, I heard he's the next Ivan Melendez. And somebody kind of laughed. Well, he, he was sat behind him. You know, <laughs> and that's true. That's true. But uh, he's not the next Melendez. I mean, that guy was a stud. But, I mean, he put on a heck of a weekend. He put on a heck of a weekend. And you're 4-0. Uh, four wins against really good teams. Uh, teams that are level that you're going to say see in the middle of the Big 12. Teams that you may see uh, quite possibly in your second game in a regional if you're a one seed. I mean, the ceiling for this team is definitely Omaha. The floor for this team, I think, is a three seed with the depth that they have. Even injuries, I don't think, are going to derail them like uh, it did last year. But great opening weekend for Texas Tech. Uh, great week in basketball. They're still alive. And it. Uh, if we beat TCU on Saturday, we're going to be talking about can they beat Kansas and Lawrence to clinch an NCAA tournament berth. And that's going to do it. Hopefully, I'm coming to you next week after another 2-0 basketball weekend. If we beat TCU, I may just come to y'all earlier. But know what? Fried frogs taste well. Talk to y'all later.